All right, welcome back to the Hit Factor. We got a full crew on tonight. We got Sasquatch. He has gotten himself out of the straitjacket bondage thing that he was in last week. Yeah. We got our homeschooled special kid from Oklahoma, Jeff, Mm -hmm. and myself. Uh, This week, we need to start off by we, we made a bit of an error last week in our last podcast in that we uh, said that all of everybody voted unanimously, unanimously on all of the rules, and apparently Jeff and I, I don't really have. He has an excuse for not being able to read because he he grew up in Oklahoma. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't really have an excuse. Uh, we just both can't read. Um, I'm just not smart, so that's my excuse. But anyway. All the votes on all the rules were unanimous except for the weapons mounted lights, which area four and area eight voted no on that. So if you're if you are in area four, area eight, you have a director in that area that's a little bit smarter than the directors and the president in all the other areas. Is that is that fair enough? Is that a fair enough way to say that? I mean, I don't know smart enough, but at least they're a bit more on the same page as people like myself. Yeah. So we need to, we apologize to the area four and area eight directors by putting them in the same categories, all the other area directors. There you go. Clarification. We just made a clarification of our own uh, ruling. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like USPSA. Yeah. All right, the other thing from hold on Jeff, the other thing from Sasquatch is pissed. Uh so coming off uh, Sasquatch actually listened to the podcast, the last one, uh and Jeff basically just told Sasquatch that he was a terrible shooter. Uh, and that Jeff was like with no practice, Jeff was just going to wipe the floor with him at Ozarks. When you were listening to that episode sasquatch how did like what was your first reaction when you heard jeff say he was going to beat you by five percent i laughed that he assumed it would happen (laughs) that's about what i expect from us so like you didn't like have like thoughts of rage like you consider like crushing him and turning his bones into soup and eating him or like no i mean i might like crush his skull or something but so okay so we got we let jeff predict how Ozarks was going to go. Sasquatch, how would you predict Ozarks are going to go in the production division? It'll be a close match, but I think I'm going to come out on top on him. What's our percentage? I I went. I actually went with you, Sasquatch. Uh, I I predicted you, but I, think, I took the under on three and a half percent. Yeah, I think you're. You'll be right. I think it'll be really close. It'll be a couple of percent tops. Are there any links that you're not like if? Last stage, Jeff's, you know, up by a couple percentage. Is there anything you wouldn't do to make sure that you win? Like step on his toe, like break a big toe or something? I mean, you know, hit his knee with tire iron, possibly. Whatever it takes. That seems that seems okay. totally reasonable. Okay. I can't wait to beat you with a broken knee. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would I would do that and it would be like a standard shoot, so it wouldn't even matter. <laughs> All right. So Jeff had some I guess Jeff had a bit more reaction to the uh he looked over some what was it, the minutes is that you looked over, or you looked at something else and you had you had a bit more of a reaction that you wanted to get off your chest. I don't I don't know. I just I keep uh cruising the interwebs, mainly YouTube, I guess. And there's all these these videos about how these rulings are so great. And, you know, some of them, the more I've thought about them, honestly, I don't care so much about. Uh, like the magnets, the, the position of the stuff on the belt. Like, I don't, I don't really care about that stuff. It's not going to affect much. I don't really see it. Except the magnets will be an advantage, but everybody will run them, and I'm okay with that. Um, that... I don't know. It kind of makes it interesting to me. I like the magnets. Um, but yeah, the uh, the position of every of everything doesn't matter to me. But the the lights still bothers me. It it just 
bothers me because, like we said before, it, it doesn't feel like uh, the organization is thinking about the competitive side of the sport, basically. They're just thinking about uh, new, shore, new shooters, uh, lower-level shooters, shooters that just want to play and don't want to take anything seriously. And that's, that's the trend you get when you start looking at YouTube and there's these videos and people are recapping the rules. And uh, these are people that um, aren't necessarily like super competitive shooters. They're just like USPSA is like their hobby, right? It's like, it's like people that are gun owners, right? There's like people that shoot and then there's gun owners. Uh, so that's kind of what I see. It's like the people making these videos about the rules, like they're rehashing them, but they're just like, they're USPSA members. They're not competitors is basically what, what it, it seems like most of them. Some of them may be a little more serious, but then you go through the comments section here and oh my God. I love God. the YouTube comment section. It's just riddled with ignorance, man. Uh, I can't handle it. So I think we should read just maybe a couple of them and just talk about them. Let's hear it. Let's hear the, the couple best that you got. <clears throat> Alright, well I didn't highlight them, but I uh I took a couple of notes from one of the videos. Um just just statements that were made in the video. Uh we'll just go over these and I'll I'll just get y'all's reaction. We won't stick on this for long, but it's still bothering me. Okay, so let's let's go with the first one. How does light make the gun handle? On on an already heavy gun, what's that going to be like? What do you think? So, I haven't shot a light on a like a heavy gun like a Shadow Two, uh, but it, it's it's very noticeable on a polymer gun like a P10. Yeah, and, and not and I don't mean that in a bad way. Like it 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 makes like a P10 or a Glock or whatever shoot nice in my experience. Yeah. I mean that that was one. I'm not really sure because I I haven't shot with a light. Um, I haven't shot it a ton. I've probably got, I uh, maybe four thousand rounds on a P10 with one, but yeah. like shooting a P10 with a dot on it with a light on it, it it is definitely a noticeable change in how the gun recoils. Like the dot moves substantially less. Yeah. So there was some assumptions in this in this particular. YouTube video that uh, a dot on or not a dot the flashlight on a heavy gun would just make it imbalanced and basically recoil more or wobble more uh, is was the statement it's just going to make the gun wobble more was the statement in the video Um, I think that's just a huge ignorant statement honestly (laughs) Um, that's awesome if the gun wobbles more, it means that uh, you don't know how to shoot the gun, basically. Uh, it means you're you're not putting the right grip pressure on the gun. If the gun's wobbling more, well, the reason, it means you're fighting the recoil. You're pushing it down. You're making it wobble. Well, the reason I wouldn't be interested in trying to light on like my Shadow 2 is this. The gun's already quite heavy, and specifically front heavy. And I don't, I don't think I would care for the balance of it with, I don't know, four or five more ounces on the front. Okay. Well, first of all, Sasquatch's opinion on recoil control is invalid because yeah. anybody that has seen Sasquatch shoot a gun, it doesn't matter if it's major, like it could be like 185 power factor. The slide just moves back and forth. And you're like, oh, he's shooting a 22. And then you pick it up. It's like, oh no, that's a limited gun shooting 40 major at 180 power factor. So, of course, Sasquatch wouldn't want to add weight to the front of his gun. But then you get somebody right. with little arms like Jeff and mm-hmm. shooting yeah. shooting that. Like, he needs he needs all the help he can get, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, like, muzzle wobble <laughs> is, is induced, right? Yes. It's, muzzle wobble happens because you make it happen. Like, if you just held the gun and pulled the trigger and let the gun recoil... It wouldn't wobble. No. It would just recoil and then it wouldn't come all the way down. Uh, if it wobbles, like that's you. So, 
Yeah, that doesn't make any sense, that statement. That was one in the video and it bothered me. Uh, the other the other the other thing that I think people need to because you hear this a lot. You hear that if you if you use a gun that's heavy, then your transitions are gonna be slower. Like you won't be able to you won't be able to transition the gun. You might be able to split harder, but you can't transition the gun as fast. I a hundred percent do not buy that argument. Uh maybe in maybe in a sport like Steel Challenge, where it's almost all transit like there is no it's not recoil it's almost all transitions um then may and and there's no recoil like right like there is no power factor floor in steel challenge you can shoot whatever you want but people are shooting open guns faster than any other division they're not having a problem transitioning those open guns and there's you got 30 round 29 round mags into a gun with a big old comp on the end a dot on top of it with a mount, like you're not, you're not, I don't know what an open gun weighs. It probably doesn't weigh 59 ounces, honestly. Uh, Cause that, that weight's absurd. Well, well, those open guns are up around like 50 plus ounces though. Like yeah, 50, 55. They are, they're very heavy guns and they don't seem to have a problem transitioning them. Uh, so like that, the idea that the guns can be so heavy that you can't transition it. That's just a bogus argument in my opinion. That's uh, always, yeah. That's always been my thought. I mean, obviously, it's going to feel a lot different to you. If all mm-hmm. you've ever shot is a 28-ounce Glock, your Shadow 2 is going to feel heavy. And you're probably going to uh, overswing it a little bit or something. But, I mean, my thoughts on it are like, I don't know what a human hand weighs, but I have to imagine my two hands alone out there are probably, I don't know, 30, heavy. 30, 40 ounces. Like... <laughs> The dip, an extra five ounces probably isn't going to change much for me on the way a gun feels, or as far as like moving it around. You might have to relearn it a little bit, but you're just going to do that from training. Yeah. 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 So that yeah. wobble, because th- I, I assume that the wobble thing is a little bit of the, it's harder to transition because it's heavy. I'm guessing. I'm like, could, I'm, ho- I'm giving the, the, no, no, the wobble was about recoil. It wasn't oh. about transitioning. Oh, well, that's well, just even better. I mean, my my biggest concern, like, if I if I wanted to use a light on a competition gun, is is I feel like it's probably going to screw with the draw quite a bit. Because, granted, the the holsters I have for a light mounted like P10 or you know like level three holsters or more duty type holsters that come up higher on the gun. So it draws quite a bit different anyways, but it just, you know, like you had the ejection port cut out on a normal holster that we use. Yeah. I don't see, I, I, I feel like the gun's going to have to come up higher out of the holster before it clears the holster, which might, would probably Maybe. be a bigger change for most people. Or you might catch that uh, flashlight on the, the front lip of the holster trying to move it forward after you clear the muzzle, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I don't- I don't think that's going to be, I don't think that would be that big of an adjustment. I could be wrong. I don't think that's going to be that big of an adjustment. Yeah, I just don't know. I was actually asking somebody that uh, the other day, but yeah, I don't know. Okay, let's move on to a second question. Uh, So another statement made in this video was the people upset about this rule are people that never talk to new shooters. So basically, you and me and Jared and anybody else who thinks this rule is stupid we just think it's stupid because we're basically out of tune we don't talk to the new shooters and figure out what they want uh to me has absolutely nothing to do with it uh this is this is about the the competition game it's it has nothing to do with with that uh so i don't I don't really get where that's coming from. I, I just that's just another statement. Like you don't understand why it's a big deal, is what that statement says to me. I don't know about that. Like, I mean, obviously, I don't go like out of my way at check in to go see to find every new shooter and talk to them. But like, if I have a new face on my squad, and you know, I like locally around here, I, I pretty much know everybody I'm shooting with. Like I've shot with them probably before at some point in time because we shoot so many matches around here. If I see a new face on my squad, I try to go over and introduce myself and talk to them a little bit so they feel, you know, comfortable because it's intimidating as hell to shoot your first match. 
Yeah. So I, I mean, I try yeah, to, I is. try to go introduce myself and ask them if they're having fun, but no, I'm not talking to them about equipment because quite honestly, your first match, you don't need someone telling you, you need to buy this gun or this holster or this flashlight or any of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the club that I've basically run, uh, is very small. We have, we don't have a ton of matches cause it's a really small club. And if I'm not the one running the match, it doesn't get run. But anytime there is a new shooter, like I, ha- I basically have to go spend time with them. Um, but to the guy's point, I don't care what the new shooter wants. Like, I, I don't, I don't care about that. Like, does the, does does the PGA of America go to their golf clubs and and have their pros? The first lesson you give to a new golfer, ask them what they want from equipment requirements, and then we'll change our rules for that. No, they don't do that. Oh. This, why would you ask somebody that? Would you ask somebody that knows nothing about the sport? They don't even know what equipment should be in the sport. Of Ugh. what do you want the equipment to be in this sport? Well, like a, a good example is we've had some uh new guys come out before that are law enforcement or whatever and and they're sh- they're shooting their duty gun and their duty gear and they have a flashlight on it and they're like hey is this legal and limited it's like yeah you're fine shoot it now if you want to ever go shoot any other matches bigger matches technically the light has to be non-functioning but as far as like at our local Tuesday night match we don't care just don't turn it on while you're shooting right like technically no you you couldn't you you couldn't have a functioning light but i'm not going to tell a guy he has to shoot open because all he has is a light on his gun yeah see and that and that's where the, that to me and i said this in the last podcast but that's where they missed the boat they could have made this a local if this is just about new shooters they could have made it a local rule exception um and they could have they could have kind of opened it up that way that hey put them in the division where they where they most they fit the best and put them there um, well, it's the whole, I get it. You you don't, as a person who's going to go shoot competition, like you don't want to automatically be non-competitive before you start. But at the end of the day, until you learn the game, you're not competitive anyways. Like, right. I'm not going to show up to a PGA Tour event. And if, if I have the best clubs, I'm not going to be competing with Tiger Woods. I might be able to right now, but normally not. No, even with, even with his legs snapped in like three places. I don't know, man. I feel like it'd be hard to hit a golf ball from a wheelchair. Yeah. He would still beat you. But anyway. So, like, here's an example of a comment in this this YouTube video. And it's like, this this is the type of comment that this, this section is riddled with. They're not all like this, but they all sound similar to this. As an outsider trying to get in, I'm having a hard time imagining why any of these rules are controversial. <laughs> obviously, obviously, you wouldn't understand. Okay. Anyway. Because, yeah, they don't know the rules. Like, of course, they don't understand why it's controversial. They have no clue what the sport's about. They have no clue what's involved with it uh, and yeah. what these changes make. So, of, of but, course, they don't have an opinion on it. But... Yeah, that's the majority of people that I believe are are supportive of this. They're the ones that are, oh, cool, I can run a flashlight. Like, that's about as far as they're thinking about it. Uh, and the real question is, how much do those people shoot? Yeah. How many, event, how many events are they going through? How many matches are they setting up per year? The, pro- the answer to that question is probably not yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I will say that this is... I've gotten more feedback on this the last episode than any other than any other podcast that we've had, uh, and and it's all pretty much anybody that has responded. Which we probably don't have a ton of newbies listening to this podcast. I, I could be wrong on that. I don't. I haven't done a poll to see what our demographic is, but most of them I assume are semi involved in the sport, and they all pretty much like agree with what Jeff and yeah. I said. Okay, so this last one this is the last one, and then we're going to move on to a different topic. But uh, it's kind of two statements rolled into one. Uh, there was this statement made that production was like a basically a dying division, and this was the reason we need to increase it to a 15-round division to, to get more people in. Uh, so 
It was, why did production... Oh, yeah. So this is kind of what I wrote. Uh, why did production go from a flourishing division to a less flourishing division in the first place, right? Because, what, five five years ago or whatever, like, production was booming, right? Three Growing. years ago. Less than... less. I mean, it was like two years ago well, almost. Yeah, yeah. The, production was booming when I came into the this. The answer to that question is people like shooting what is typically cheap factory ammo and even more so than just shooting it they find that having a high capacity gun is a lot of fun and having a red dot makes it a lot easier to hit stuff and when you're a newer shooter spending 20 rounds trying to knock uh, a bunch of hard poppers down is not nearly as enjoyable as going one for one with the red dot I think that's part of it. I think the other part of it is they started screwing up all the rules in production and well, and uh, they started modifying it when it was doing fine uh, you, to bring in more people. And lo and behold, it's gotten worse. You mentioned, you know, production 15. As much as I would love production to have been a 15 round division, what I really want is I just want us to quit getting messed with. Like the rules, yeah. have, the rules have changed i've been shooting production as my sole division for like 15 16 months and we're on our third rule book yeah yeah it's i, I mean yeah I, I think it's you guys have hit it it's both things it's carry optics took a lot of people out of production that were shooting it because basically same gun but you can load up your mags and you got to put a dot on top uh and then yeah like they've they've they screwed up the most popular division in the sport because it. I mean, it was. I, I don't know if it was the highest attended in nationals, but production was basically the most popular division in the sport five years ago, four years ago. Uh, yeah, and then they've they've screwed it up to a point that it's like okay, it's just limited minor now. Um, so it's not like just going and getting a Glock and competing in it is not. That's not really well. I say that's not viable. Jeff just bought a Canik and he's gonna. Say he's going to compete in it. Uh, but. I don't know. I don't think the gun is that big a deal as long as you like what you're shooting. Like if if you have it in your head that you're at a disadvantage shooting a Glock instead of a Shadow Two, then you're absolutely right because it's dirty in your head. If you yeah, like your, it, if you like your Glock and don't see any point in spending the money on a Shadow Two or a Tampo or whatever, then you're also absolutely right. Yeah, and I think there used to be that perception that you could like you could shoot it in its factory form, even a, even a stock two, like you could just buy it off the shelf stock two, don't change anything. Uh, and you're, you're good. Whereas nowadays, now that basically anything's allowed, you feel that I got to buy a gun and then I got to get all these modifications done. I need a two pound trigger, a five pound double action trigger. Like I got to have all that where I'm at a disadvantage. I cut Sasquatch off, and he's looking at me now like he's going to crush my throat the next time he sees me. You You have two children. I won't hurt you. Oh, that's... What if you just... (laughs) Jeff only has one, so you'll hurt him? I figure a single mother can handle one child. Yeah. Seems reasonable. She could. She could do it. I believe in her. Uh, Okay, that's all I got on that. the, The whole premise is... Like, stop jacking with the rules. Like, leave them. Yeah. Like, if there's, like, yeah. a massive error in it that's, like, okay, yeah, we got to fix this. Like, okay, that that's one thing. But, like, just these big sweeping changes, just leave them alone for a while. Let them run two years. Well, aren't we supposed to be on, like, either, like you got to, like, you can't change them for, like, two years? Uh, that rule changed. Oh, well. Which I think it was in the bylaws and it changed. Uh, and, and that's, that's kind of where my view is at. Like, do I like um flashlights in production not really do i think it matters much no my bigger problem is that it seems like the rules are changing too often every time that every time the bod gets together hey let's jack with everything and i i just i would like to see stuff be a little more constant yeah i i think everybody can agree with that like hey let's let's settle down a little bit and allow for some consistency yep all right that's all i got i'm done talking about the rules 
Okay, so do y'all have anything else or you want to go on to this topic? It's not super awesome topic, but it is something that came across my mind during training this morning, I think. Let's yes. Tell us. Tell us more. Okay. All right, so I was dry firing and I was thinking about the matches that I had to shoot this year and who was going to be my competition. Uh, so first one, obviously, is Jared. But pretty got that pretty much got that one in the bag. So I was thinking about the next match, <laughs> and uh, the next match. Well, actually, the next match is nationals. I was thinking about uh, the what's the one in Colorado? Bighorn, Bighorn, Bighorn. Yeah, I was thinking about Bighorn, and I believe Nils is going to be at Bighorn. And is he shooting also production Jared. or CO? I don't know. I I'm really hoping that he, he shoots production CO, huh? because I am going to. Do the dumbest thing possible to make sure I get to shoot against Jeff at Bighorn. I'm shooting Rocky Mountain 300 in production. So All 60 right. round stages with a 10 round gun. <laughs> Just so I'm still shooting production when we get there. Right. That's, that's smart. That should be fun. Hey, at least, yeah. you know what? That, that's one benefit to the new rules. At least now I can add a couple more mag pouches to the front so that I'm not reaching around to where my holster is to get like the last reload. Well, you right. could, I mean, Rocky Mountain 300, you could have done that anyway because it's, it's not a USPSA sanctioned match. It is. No, it's not. It has six. It's legal. It, they, they're calling it a level one. Mm hmm. Hmm. I thought it was a, I thought it was a, I know. Actually, I think it's still called a level two. I think the exemption is only for level two matches, right? To 60 rounds or to no, more than 32. One. That's but e- either way, it is still it, at least it still ran 100% USPSA rules minus the stage sizes. Oh, okay. So, but, right, I'm yeah, gonna, now you I'm going to keep talking now. You can put mags on your belt. Let's hear it, Jeff. Keep going. Okay. So, so forget about the match in particular. The point was, I was thinking about what do I need to do to beat Nils Jonathan this year? What do I need to do? So, I started thinking can I get better at actually shooting? Like, stand and shoot. Can I get better at shooting than Nils? No. No, probably not. I think he's probably probably the best iron sight shooter uh, in the country. So, he's up there. I was thinking, I was like, uh, no, I'm with, especially with the number of rounds I'm going to shoot and the number of rounds he's going to shoot and how far ahead he already is than me, I'm probably not going to pick up any ground on him in like just pure shooting. Uh, so I started thinking about other, because, you know, there's a ton of different aspects of the game. Uh, so then I started thinking about what, well, what is Nils not particularly awesome at? Uh, so I started thinking about his like gun handling and, uh, and movement type stuff, and, you know, stuff that he's, you know, still very, very good at, but stuff that he's not, uh, like if there was a, a scale of one to 10, and he was like a, a nine at shooting, you know, he wouldn't be a nine with his gun handling and he wouldn't be a nine with his movement. I don't know what he would be, but it wouldn't be that high uh, just because I consider him so good at pure shooting. Uh, so then I started thinking, OK, well, maybe I can pick up some ground in those other areas. So if I focus more of my attention on, say, uh, just like moving more efficiently, moving quicker, more deliberately, staying lower, like. Uh, basically I was trying to give myself a focus, uh, to my, to my practice to beat an individual. Anyway, I thought it was interesting that my mind just kind of went there. I was like, uh, I was thinking about, about Nils as a shooter. I was like, what can I do to beat him? And then like, this, these are all just steps my brain went through when I was dry firing this morning. Uh, what do you guys think about that? I mean, it's fascinating to me that like your approach to this sport is to beat somebody else when, when you don't <laughs> like nothing you do affects like you can't re- like you can't really beat another person like is right like you're not competing directly against you know, it's not like tennis right like where you can maybe you're not I, it's just I I mean it's just it's interesting to me that that's like that's so, where your mind goes that you're like I'm gonna cross them yeah. off my list I uh, agree. My thought on it is, is that he has the right idea, but the wrong view. He's viewing it from beating Nils instead of looking at it from what, like the, as far as trying to figure out what skills you can improve to 
overcome your competition and become better and shoot better. Like you're you're trying to get to the right spot, but I think you're looking from from the wrong view. Like Jeremy said, trying to beat somebody, you can't control what they do. I don't think that's a good way to look at it. But thinking about like the things that they're good at that you might be able to improve on to close the gap, I think is the right kind of mindset, but not necessarily looking at it from the view of just beating that person. I mean, but I think if it if it does give him motivation and focus in his practice, then then I think that's an okay thing. I mean it's it's weird, but I think it's an okay thing. I'm okay with weird. Yeah, obviously. Uh, Clearly. So, but so did like, so when you were thinking about uh, shooting against Sasquatch and Ozarks, what did you feel like? Okay, I need to get this so I, so that I can beat Sasquatch and Ozarks. This is what I need to do that he can't do. Uh, I just need to be comfortable. I don't know. I feel like a broken leg's pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time, man. No, I, I mean, I think that, I, I, yeah, I think the fact that you use it to motivate you and, and give you good focus is, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, I think it could, it could become detrimental uh, in the end. Yeah. I mean, see, I use it. You know, we talked about this before. I I use these type of things to focus practice and to draw motivation. When it comes to match day, I'm not thinking about what I need to do to beat Nils. Yeah. I'm not thinking about what I need to do to beat the next guy. I'm thinking about shooting. But getting up to that point, it it helps me focus the practice. It helps me draw the motivation. Uh, it helps me build the confidence. Right. Uh, kind of like we talked about before nationals. Like when I'm practicing with the attitude that. I'm going to win this thing. Uh, yeah, it just kind of helps me feed that that confidence, the motivation, the uh, the focus. But yeah, on match day, no, I'm not. I'm not thinking about beating anyone. I'm I'm thinking about shooting. Was it Rocky too, where the like the Russian had a picture of Rocky, like on a like in his training gym and like. Oh. Is that am I am, is it was it is it is that I right? Know. I Sasquatch, can't do you know what I'm talking about? Dude, that movie came out before I was born. Oh jeez. What does that have to do with anything? Well, so I think it had I think it had I think it was I think it was Rocky Two, because I think it was with I think Rocky Two was where he fought the Russian, if I remember right. And the Russian was there like training in his lab and like he had all the fancy equipment and stuff. And he was like punching the bags like way harder than anybody else ever punched. Like they're measuring his PSI and stuff. And there was like a picture of Rocky on the wall. Like when he was like punching it, he was like looking at the picture of Rocky on the wall and was making him punch it harder. And then right before the fight, like he ripped it down like he was gonna. That's what I imagine Jeff is like. Like he's got like a he's got like pictures of Pete. Like Nils is on like his dry fire targets. <laughs> so he's yeah. like, I'm gonna beat this guy. And right, be- sure. right before Bighorn, he's going to rip them all down and like tear them in half. And he's going to walk in there with like the Russian national anthem playing in the <laughs> background. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff for sure has a picture of you on his dry fire wall with like crossed out with a red Sharpie. Oh, 100%. Yeah, he's already moved <laughs> on. Sure. He's moved on. But he got yeah. scared. My That's dry fire targets divisions. are all just, just part of my hit list. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, but I, I've never done that. I've never been like, oh, how do I, if, how, what is somebody else's weakness that I can take advantage of? I've never, that's, yeah. I've never done that. So that's, I mean, that's interesting, but I've never done it. I think it, it might just be an indicator of a weak training program, right? Like if I had a good training program, I wouldn't need to focus it. Like I would just be uh, practicing everything equally and getting better as a shooter all around. But, since I don't actually have a written out plan for the year, which I've been saying I'm going to do for, I think two years now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, this is my next best thing. I mean, it would seem like the smarter thing to do would be to identify your weaknesses and put your own face up on the wall and punch your own face. 
and get no, your weaknesses no. better. No, you don't. You don't want to focus on how weak you are. No, I can. I can focus on punching Jeff's face if you want. You want to focus on other people's weaknesses. So you make you see. So you see yes, them as your, weak. Your you don't face, want to see yourself as weak. Your face you want to see is a other weakness. people. Other people as weak. Your face is saying? definitely a weakness. It's a mindset. Yeah. Sure. Good. <laughs> good plan. <laughs> I'm glad you guys like it. I'll stick with it. Yeah. Keep doing what you're doing. So I went out and shot a hundred rounds today. So I'm 180 rounds into my into my season so far. Uh All right. 20 yard headshots just ripped me a new one. Um but <laughs> I mean like I guess that's like it kind of doesn't like that's they'll rip almost anybody a new one, right? Like it's 20 yard headshots. Uh, so like you went out, you've shot 80, you've shot 80 rounds this year so far. You went out and you're like, you know what I need to do? I need to try to rip some 80 or some 20 yard headshots. That's what's so, going to build my confidence yeah, for this yeah, year. Yeah. Um, so I, I outside oh, of like God. a little bit of like just screwing around with a P10 or like shooting guns at work for some reason or another, I haven't shot a dot since uh, fall classic in 2019, like not on like a shadow two. So on Sunday, I zeroed my dot for old fort for the second day. And I zeroed it at 10, confirmed it at 15 and 20 on a target. And then I shot a five shot group on a head on a, on the head of a target at 20 yards. It is so much easier to shoot those shots with a dot. Like, Shooting that head was like shooting the A zone on a lower, t- like a regular A zone at probably 15 yards. Like the pace was probably the same. Yeah. It's just so, it's so much easier. I forgot. It makes me want to go back to CO even sooner. Yeah. Yeah. The dot. Where'd you want to go? Yeah. Cause he's scared. He's scared. He's scared. Oh, no. I am, I am sticking with production through. Bighorn, so that we get two matchups, or yeah, we get three matchups. Three, yeah, yeah. Oh, so we'll have like a, like we'll have a definitive answer. One person is going to be victorious for it's like a season series that starts in a in two weeks. Yeah, that's good. That's good to know. That puts a lot of that puts a lot of. I mean, like whoever whoever wins in two weeks, like they're already up one zero in a Mm -hmm. best of best two out of three series so that's pretty big it's a big deal it is i mean because everybody cares who wins the ozark classic i mean everyone knows that's the most important match of the season oh yeah it's i mean your whole season's gonna like however that goes is gonna set up your whole season for success or failure yep um but no so it's i'm finding something that's interesting in in these short practice sessions that I'm, i'm very curious about in that i wonder if uh Frequency of practice of like live fire practice is more important than volume of rounds in live fire because really what live fire does is it goes like you go and you get a big reminder of okay this is what I need to be doing correctly right um, yeah yeah and yeah. and you, you need a certain amount of time to fix that stuff I think in live fire but at some point it's like you just need like you just need that rem- that kind of constant reminder of okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing to do it right. You don't necessarily – and once you get that reminder, a lot of times you you make the correction and you fix it, right? Uh, and so then maybe maybe if you've, if you've fixed it, then maybe another 200 rounds doesn't help you. Um, no. yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious what the frequency of, of practice is with smaller, with smaller amounts of rounds. Uh, I'm kind of curious how that's going to pan out this so- season. Yeah, that that brings me up a good thought from uh, when I practice on Sunday. Like, for some reason, like, I just, I had a lot of tension. Mm -hmm. And and with that, you know, I wasn't drawing the gun fast, wasn't reloading it well in practice on Sunday. And normally, when ammo is easy to get, like, I would just power through that and keep training. And you might not necessarily get a ton of value out of that training because you're just you're trying to fix something that way, what I really needed to do was put the gun away and go home and watch TV for a couple hours and then go dry fire. Yeah. 
So it, it was kind of a perk of a planned shorter practice. Like rather than continuing to try to push through that, like I finished the drill that I was on, confirmed zero on the guns, loaded them up and went home at lunch. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Mm. And the, the, like going with only a small amount of rounds to the range, like I do feel like it, it may give you a better chance to put yourself under pressure to perform right then. Right. Like I do feel like that it may set me up for a little bit more success at matches because it's like, okay, you've got this 20 yard head box. You don't get 30 tries to get it right. You yeah. got it. Like it, it went wrong the first time. Okay. You don't get another shot at this. Cause you only got another 20 rounds left and you wanted to do it. Like you want to do some doubles or something. So yeah. you get to, you get, you got, to spend all the time you want dry firing it, running it, running around and do as much as you want. You only get another one more run at it and you got to figure out what you need to do to get it right that time. Um, and so I, I think that may, that may help because you, no matter what you do, when you're, when you're shooting three or four, even 250 rounds in a session, you try to bring that same level of focus, but it's almost impossible. Yeah. Because you, because you get more tries at it. Um, and so it's, it it is interesting from that standpoint. And, and for me, the big lesson, uh, was this time, because I I always battle tension, like, like tension is, is probably my biggest, my biggest fault in shooting. Like I, I freeze up and lock up and my hands don't move. Um, but it was, anytime I was freezing up and locking up, I was trying to be fast. And so, like, I would try to, I would want to pull the trigger before I actually saw the sights on the, in the middle of the A zone. And then I would, like, my body would, like, lock up and, like, I would get trigger freeze. And it was, it's almost like my, it's almost like my body was in total conflict. It was like, part of me was telling it, hey, you need to pull the trigger because you should be on target right now. But then the other part of my body is like, wait, I don't see a sight. Don't pull the trigger. It's like there's two minds that were like battling each other. And when they right. did that, like I just completely locked up and like couldn't do anything. Uh, and so there was like this interesting like, okay, Man. just let it be fast, but you still got to just, just move fast. But then as lame as it sounds, shoot the sights. I know that like – I hate that. I hate that saying, but it's, there's a reason why people say it. Uh, like just don't, there, don't, there is, there's, there's a reason, reason. <laughs> there's a reason why that's a saying. Uh, so like, like don't, don't force it past that. And, and when I wouldn't try to force it, like I didn't get so tense. Like I wasn't locking up nearly yeah. as bad as whenever I just tried to shoot off of when it should be there. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's definitely, uh, a battle because I'll be like, I'll be dry for even a dry fire. I'll be like dry firing for like five minutes and then I'll be like, okay, this is it. This is the one. And then that's the one that you can't keep the tension out. Right. Yeah. That's the one that you're trying to go fast and like immediately like the wheels fall off. Yeah. Uh, like you miss the draw, you miss the reload. You, you tuck the gun in too tight. Like you normally wouldn't even do that with the gun. Uh, like if you're dry firing a reload, like you, you use a completely different reload when you're when you have a bunch of tension. Like you'll yeah. tuck the gun way in tight to your body or something when you when you've got all that tension and that's not how you normally reload. Uh it's yeah. just crazy how much the the tension and everything will completely change uh your fundamentals pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the guys that are winning the big matches like they they're they do that to like for that day or whatever, they do it the best. And sometimes yeah. like like you can see like really good shooters, like they should be winning matches, but then they'll go through a slump where they're not. And it's almost like I bet they're forcing it. Like I bet they're they're trying to force something to happen and the tension's crept in and they're just it's just not happening. Uh yeah. and you can try you can't force yourself to be fast. You have to let yourself be fast. All right. Yeah. You know what you were saying about uh your practice being lower round count and basically every run having more, uh, more meaning pretty much Mm -hmm. or, uh, having more pressure. That's, uh, that's basically what, what Jay said that he does a lot when, when he came on here. Yeah. Uh, 
like you know he shows up and shoots like one mag right uh, shoot like one mag out it's like that's it and if it goes wrong it's like oh back to the drawing board it goes back it's like so basically his entire uh live fire practice is cold yeah like like all year he just like he only runs cold that's crazy crazy it it is nuts and it it does it does speak to like is there value in is there value in practice after you're super warmed up? Like, I mean, like, I, I mean, anybody right. that has done this, like, you get in a groove and like everything's just like functioning like great. At that point, is there like what is the value in that practice? So and you hope that it's you hope that it is ingraining those good fundamentals, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would say that when when you're just really warmed up, tuned in, and you're just shooting awesome, the value in that is is the is the confidence from just doing it over and yeah. over and over, and knowing that you can do it, and doing it so like effortlessly, basically. Yeah. So there's certainly value in it. Where where I think uh, keeping the round count lower is like you guys were talking, you know, the own pressure on yourself closer to a match. As well as you're not trying to force anything. I mean, if you go to the range with a bucket of ammo and you shoot a bucket of ammo, did you get a bucket of ammo's value out of that? Or did you, you know, get 50 rounds of value and then shoot another 500 rounds that you probably should have loaded up and went home? Yeah. And I, I think it's like if you're building skill, then it, then you need buckets of ammo, right? Like, like buildings trying to build skill with 50 rounds is going to be really, really tough. Um, so I, I think, I think there, there is a point. And so I think for me this year, I'm going to try and take the approach on like a week or two leading up to matches. I'm going to go with very reduced round count stuff, like very like reduced round count practices. But then when I'm in the middle of the season, a ways out from a match, that's when I'm going to have bigger, longer sessions and go and kind of hash through. Maybe you're changing a technique. You you know you want you're experimenting with techniques or something like that. That's when it's like okay, go ahead and bring more rounds, experiment and figure stuff out, and then leading up to the big ma- leading up to nationals, the matches that you care about. Bighorn for you guys. Well, Bighorn be yeah, Bighorn will be the will be the deciding match for y'all. Uh, so that's going to be like the biggest match of the year. Uh, but like nationals and stuff like that, leading up to those using low round count practice sessions to really just try to ratchet up the focus. Um, That's kind of my plan for the year. I think that's, uh, that's different than you've done. Yeah. Like for ever pretty, I mean, pretty for the, no, I've never done it like that. Uh, pretty much. It's always been ramp up to a big match. It's like, as you get closer to the big match, you shoot more and more. Um, and so it's, it's almost taken the, the opposite approach to that it's like right after a big match like take what you've just learned like what you felt like you need to work on and hit that really hard like the week after a big match and then taper off going into the next big match yeah Uh, but i don't feel like you're gonna be necessarily practicing less it's just like your your attention on what you're practicing is going to be shifting to like you're going to be practicing the cold focus run Correct. For those last couple of weeks, uh, you know, you've got your skill building or whatever you called it for previous. And then like for those last couple of weeks, you're you're focused on a different skill set, uh, hoping to tune it in. Whereas before, you know, it was just massive amounts. I could see how that could be detrimental now that we're talking about it to like ramp up and shoot a whole lot before a match. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of drawing your focus away from needing to execute now mm-hmm. uh, needing to execute this run when you're shooting 500 rounds in a in a session before when you go yeah. out you know yeah uh i could see the value well, yeah i feel that. like if you're if you're at like 80 rounds 50 rounds or whatever it's like you're practicing performance yeah like that's well, it's yeah. like performance practice and not, not just that, like, obviously, you know, when you ramp up, when in the past where you, I've ramped up for a major match, like, come into it, you know, I'm spending more time away from home training. So I'm going straight from work to the range. So I'm gone for 13 hours that day or whatever. 
then I'm coming home and making dinner and I'm trying to dry fire and stuff. It's like, how much, how much are you also taking away from yourself? Not just being well rested and fresh, like yeah. being semi exhausted, like mentally too, from trying to stay focused on so much stuff. Yeah. And yeah. I, I can't, I can't speak to that. Like, I don't, like, I'm, I don't know that I've been in a match when I felt like, like I've just felt physically tired or felt like, Hey, I'm, I just don't have it like yeah. mentally, but that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that that hasn't been the case. And I just don't know it. Well, yeah, exactly. What I mean is, is what's the difference of if you're, if you're very fresh that maybe on Tuesday, instead of going and training for two hours after work, maybe went out for beers with your buddies instead. And just had a, a night where you weren't talking about shooting, not thinking about shooting, not doing shooting. But, well, I'd have to drive like to Kansas City to have a buddy that would want to drink beer with me. Who else do you know from Kansas City? Hopkins. Uh, Hopkins doesn't drink, so it must be somebody else. Oh, he'd still go out with me. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Corey Carner would go out with me. Corey only drinks when we're in Vegas. Well, he'd he'd go out with me. <laughs> hey, I got another semi. You guys might not think it's interesting. Oh, right, let's hear it. Another topic. Do you want to talk about it now, or do you want to? Let's save it. Pinch it off. Yeah, let's pinch it off. We'll save it for another one. All right. Uh, it give a little. I'll give a little teaser though. So it basically has to do, uh, if you are someone who also trains in the gym. Uh, lifts weights or does any sort of endurance training or anything uh, so that I found like a it might seem obvious to somebody who's really involved in those things but there's a there's a correlation that I think some people might not be aware of that could be affecting your training that definitely affected mine this last week so we'll talk about it next time awesome we get to we get to hear about Jeff's weightlifting and weight loss program next week. It'll be great. Excellent. Can't wait. I'm, I'm just so excited. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> way to sell it, Sasquatch. Way to wow. bring, like, bring okay. the enthusiasm that really right. gets listeners. They want to pay attention. And yeah, in. I'm just going to pinch you off right here. I'm actually inter- I actually am interested, uh, Jeff. No, in, I, I'm in interested in the topic. I'm just not interested in his weight loss. <laughs> It's okay. an exercise program and I don't Bye, know, Jared. Oreos Bye, and whatever Jared. else. Bye. Oh, stop recording, damn it. <laughs>